0: Grab a drink and have a seat. It's time to chat with the hottest new artists and songwriters around. This is Back Porch Sippin' with Lindsey.
1: What's up, guys? I'm Lindsay, your host on the Back Porch Sippin' podcast, about to kick off episode four with one of my favorite Missouri guys, Hunter Thomas Mounts. Before we get that interview kicked off, do want to let you know, if you have an artist you want me to reach out and interview, or if you are an artist yourself and want to be interviewed and share some of your music on the Back Porch Sippin' podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at backporchsippin' at gmail.com While Hunter's getting everything ready to join us I want to play you a little clip of one of my favorite songs he released at the beginning of this year. This is Alone in the Lone Star
0: Well tonight I'm drinking vodka and Topo Chico at a dive bar up in Houston Willie Nelson on the jukebox singing a sad country song
1: My heart
0: got broken San Antone, but she ain't the one to blame. Guess my rambling soul was too much to hold, and now she's cursing my name. Well, the night life is crawling out this hole in the wall. I've never felt so low, and I couldn't escape the mistakes. Everybody knows me, and yeah, that's how I found this place. She's moving on, and I'm alone in the Lone Star State.
1: Man, how have you been?
2: I've been doing well. Uh, How about yourself?
1: Not bad, not bad. Thankful that stuff's finally opening up, I guess. Same. Why don't you kind of just start by like, um, you know, telling us who you are, where you're from.
2: Okay. All right. Well, my name is Hunter Thomas Mounts. I am originally from Pleasant Hill, Missouri, which is uh, just southeast of Kansas City. I am 26 years old. I'll be 27 next month. I've lived in Nashville for going on five years. I am a... New country artist. I've recorded a, a bunch of songs. All my songs are out everywhere you can uh, buy and stream music. And I'm also a full-time firefighter in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville. So when music isn't keeping me busy, that definitely is.
1: Right. So uh, I did not know you had a June birthday. I actually do um, as well. So very cool.
2: <laughs> When's yours?
1: Uh, June 19th. What about you?
2: Okay. I'm June
1: 21st. So. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Very cool. So um, what got you into being a firefighter? Was that always your dream or?
2: It kind of happened by accident. I remember one day in high school, my senior year, it was toward the end of the year, we had a meeting with the counselors and we were sitting around a giant table with a bunch of the other students and they were asking us what our plans were for college, our plans were after high school all that kind of stuff. I was sitting next to my friend, Nick Pruitt, and I looked at him and I said, man, I don't know what I'm doing after high school. I don't know what I would even go to college for. I said, what are you doing, man? Do you, do you have any idea? And he's like, man, I'm going to the Blue River Fire Academy. It's six months. It is Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, you know, until December but once once we get out of there we'll have all of our certs we'll have our EMT license and then we can go looking for a job and salary for firefighters 35 to 40 grand which is how much you're going to make coming out of four year bachelor degree uh, doing doing something introductory into the business world anyway so in wow. my mind I was like okay 6 months if I don't like it then it was only 6 months you know I didn't I didn't waste 4 years and tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on college. So me being young and not knowing anything about the world, that's just, it was a a spontaneous decision. And that's honestly what led me into doing it. And then obviously later on, once I actually entered the Fire Academy and I started doing it, I found out that I loved it. So it was a very, very good happenstance.
1: Very cool. So um, how did you go from, you know, being a firefighter in Missouri, getting your gig here in Hendersonville and uh, starting music? Where did that all kind of come up?
2: So I'd never lived anywhere other than my hometown until I moved to Nashville. And I always knew that I wanted to get out of my hometown and get out of my own and do something for myself, see what I was made of, really grow as a person. And when when music started in its early Early stages when it started to kind of bloom, and and I knew that was something that I, I was uh, really falling in love with. One day the light bulb went off in my head, and I was I was thinking to myself, man, if I could if I could position myself close to Nashville with a really really good fire department, I I could have the best of both worlds because I could be working for a fire department that I love, and I could be in Nashville doing music on the days that I'm not doing firefighting. And it was kind of a pipe dream at first when that thought entered my head and I didn't think it would ever actually happen. And I tested with Hendersonville. It was the only fire department that I tested with. I knew just by looking them up that they were the right fit for me. I was blessed and lucky enough to get on with them, which was, I never thought I'd get on because I didn't know anybody. They, they didn't know me. And you know I've been here for five years and I feel like all those things that I was talking about getting out of my own, growing as a person, uh, paving my own way. It's all, you know, it's been difficult, especially Mm -hmm. moving to a place where you have no friends and you don't know anybody, but it's, it's been just absolutely the best thing that I've ever, that I've ever done.
1: Yeah. To kind of touch on that, you know, cause I feel like everybody, everybody feels that way when they move here. You know, like you, I'm from Missouri. So a a little bit of a ways away from home. Kind of touch on like what advice would you give to somebody that wants to make the move to chase a dream? If you could give them, you know, a piece of advice, what would it be?
2: Let me think about that for a second. Piece of advice I think I would give is, Nobody's gonna understand your vision, even your close family and friends. Some people are gonna understand it more than others, but nobody's really gonna understand it except for you. You're not gonna be able to explain it to anybody. So if if it's something that you think that you want to do, then go do it. Even if it does seem crazy to everybody else. I guess I guess that's about it. I mean, yeah. It's it's just, I don't know, it's it's just hard to it's just hard to to explain to your family and friends that you're leaving for something that statistically is probably not going to happen. But right. if you feel, if you feel it within yourself that, you know, you're capable of something so much bigger and greater, and you know that you're capable of growing into that person who could accomplish those things that you have in your, your mind and your heart years before it actually comes to fruition. Then I would say I'd say do it.
1: I mean, that's, that's great advice. I, I love that yeah. for sure. You get to go home though, quite, quite a bit. You play quite a few shows, Um, you know, looking at your website, you're kind of lined up for majority of the summer and um, a lot of those shows back in Missouri. So how does that feel to go back? You know, you've got an EP out, an album out, um, you know, multiple singles out. So how does that feel to go back and be like, you know, to your family and friends and be like, I am making progress. We're out here doing the damn thing. How does that feel?
2: It's kind of a, it feels, it feels like two things at once. Mm -hmm. One, it does feel really good because I do know that every time I go back, I have a little bit more to show for myself than the previous time that I went. And I love going back because I'm a a person who will never forget where I came from. I will never forget my roots. I will never forget the people who helped me get to where I am today. But it can also be kind of frustrating because sometimes you go back and you can tell that some people still don't take you seriously. And some people still think that really going to do much, you know, and Mm -hmm. For for those for those people, it's it's gonna be and not and, and, and not that it's like a pride or a glory thing. It's just it can be frustrating seeing and feeling like like some people still don't think that you're legitimate and just knowing that you know it's gonna take something big and some kind of big momentum to get those people, get those last few people who've known you for a long time, getting them over the fence going, Okay, all right, Hunter Hunter really is, he's, he's not joking around. He's, he's, he's serious. He, he really is chasing this and he's on, he's on the path to do so.
1: Right. You know, this next time you, you get to go home, you'll of course get to tell him about the listening room debut um, you did here recently. Um, I had the pleasure to watch you, which was incredible. So thank you um, of course for inviting me to that. Not only your first time playing, you sold the place out and all the artists that were on stage, y'all are all from Missouri. So talk to me about that. That's that's a big deal to get to play there. so.
2: So the listening room was a was and is a bucket list venue for me. It's a place that when I first moved to town, I remember going there and seeing concerts and it just seemed like something that would never uh, would never happen for me. I, I didn't think that I'd ever get to play it you know whenever whenever you first move here. Reason I got invited, my friend Molly Lovett, who is from St. Louis, Missouri, she was kind enough and gracious enough to invite me. It was her, it was her round, I guess you could call it, and she got to pick uh, two of her friends to play the show with her. So I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if it weren't for her, and I'm really grateful uh, for friendships like that. Of people who are not only really talented at what they do, but they're also kind enough to, to share the love and and lift uh, lift other people up who are on their same trajectory without seeing it as competition. You know, it's that's the biggest thing about this town is constantly fighting the mentality that it's a competition, which in, in a way it is, but it's just so much more enjoyable and it's so much easier to progress whenever you you know, move to the, the perspective of, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all doing this because we enjoy it. So for somebody like Molly to invite me up there, uh, that was just, that was just, I thought that was really, 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 really cool her to do. And uh, I'll forever be grateful for that one.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, it's still to this day, one of my favorite um, venues. And for those that haven't had the chance to make it to Nashville, um, the listening room, a really special place because you know, you, you sit there and you, you have to be quiet. You have to listen to them. And, you know, that's um, definitely way different than Broadway, of course. And it's just great. You get to hear their, their stories from the songs and, and everything like that. Um, so I know definitely a, a bucket list venue for you. What other mm-hmm. venues, you know, are you, are you just dying to play at?
2: First thing that comes to my mind is I would absolutely love to play the hot country nights, power and light district, that stage out there. That's, that's something again, kind of like the listening room was a couple of years ago. It it seems far off, like it could never happen, but, you know, I know that if I keep putting myself in position to to win, and if I keep recording uh, good, high quality music that I'm writing with my friends, and I'm, I'm having fun with it. I, I know that that eventually is is uh, likely a real possibility. That would be an absolute dream come true to play that. And I had a couple other ones. I would I'd really like to play Midnight Rodeo in Springfield, Missouri. I went to uh, I went to college at OTC, which is like the backyard community college of missouri state i couldn't mm-hmm. afford State, or rather did not want to pay for it so i went to ozark technical college so we would always go to midnight rodeo on thursdays thursday nights and i remember going to see granger smith there and a couple other really really cool shows and that's that's another bucket list bucket list venue for me because that would just be another another full circle moment
1: it's real crazy that you know we both ended up here, and that—that's how we met. Cause um, before I moved here, I actually worked at Midnight Rodeo, so super crazy. So I moved to Springfield after college and worked there um, at KTTS there in Springfield mm. on the weekends and stuff. Bartended at Midnight Rodeo, so that's um, funny.
2: I never went on the weekends. Like I said, we always went on Thursday nights. And mm-hmm. there was one time that I went—I did go on a Saturday, I think—and it was a—it was a little bit older crowd. Doing a lot of two-stepping and stuff and of course i was out there dancing with the older women And i was only, I was only you know 20 19 20 whatever also back got my fake id taken there uh but i somehow stole it back but um i was i was out there dancing with the older women and my friends were just like dude come on man that is it's Not what we're doing. I was like, well that's what I do. Anyway, they wouldn't ever bring me back. So oh
1: Those man.
2: Thursdays, except for that one time I went on a Saturday and, and was two stepping.
1: Oh, I love that. If you had to describe your sound to the folks that haven't had the chance to hear you yet, obviously they're gonna go stream you as soon as they listen to this. But clearly. Right, yeah. Right now though, if you had to describe it, how would how would you do that?
2: Honestly, I try I try not to ever align my sound with anybody else's. I know naturally it's going to sound probably a lot. It's going to have a lot of Texas red dirt country scene inspired sounds. I mean, that's, that's going to be the bulk of it. And then there's going to be a little bit of nineties country vibe thrown in there too. Uh, When when I say that, I don't ever try to align my sound with anybody. I mean, my, my, my all time favorite artist is Eric Church. And I don't feel like my music sounds anything like his. So (laughs) just a quick a quick little look into the process of how I do things whenever i write a song if it's stuck in my head and it's something that's just on my mind for months and months and months cuz it's usually you know at least 6 months between recording sessions for me do three songs at a time if so, if a song is in my head that whole entire time until up until i go to record that is usually the only factor that I take into consideration when I record something, if it's been stuck in my head, there's gotta be something to it. So that's how I choose what songs I record. And then for two, uh, I usually have a pretty good idea in my head of how I want the fully produced track to sound. And I just kind of have that vision in my head based on what I think the song is saying lyrically. Um, for example, just I just got out of the studio and I recorded a song with some really cheesy, kind of borderline raunchy lyrics, but it just se- it just seemed and it it's kind of got like a '90s blues country uh, guitar thing going on, and and in my mind, it just I just knew that it kind of lined up with that '90s country thing. So whenever. Whenever I went in to get it fully produced and and recorded at Direct Image, I told my producer, I said, hey, I want this to sound, you know, 90s country like Brooks and Dunn or, uh, you know, Travis Tritt, Tracy Bird, stuff like that. But then we had had another song that I wrote a, a year or two ago that's been stuck in my head every day since we wrote it. And... You know, it was, it's more of like a uh, Billy Carrington type song that he would have recorded 10 years ago or like early Kenny Chesney. So, which is, okay. it's, it's a sound of, it's a sound that I've never put on any other song. But, you know, whenever that song was done lyrically, I, I knew what kind of feeling and what kind of uh, temperament it had. So I told, I told the producer, I was like, hey, let's go, let's go for that kind of sound. So it's, it's always, it's always going to be different. I don't ever try to, uh, you know, box myself in and put a fence around it
1: that's a good answer right there i tell you when you go in to write a song how much do you think about radio does it even cross your mind or you just you're just writing to write or how's how's that look for you
2: honestly i don't i don't think about radio at all and i know i know it's probably a bad answer (laughs) uh, because i'm a i'm a guy who's had no uh, basically no radio play uh, so I'm sure there's that somebody's gonna be out there listening to this, going, "Well, that's the reason he's on the radio because he doesn't write for it. <laughs> but, but I just, I just don't, I just don't know how. It's just, it's just like something that's like against my, uh, against my conscience, I guess, to to try to write something in order to please somebody. You know, I my main goal whenever I write with somebody is I want to. I want to write something that's that's a unique concept. I want to write something that, you know, hasn't been said uh, in this exact way that, that, that we're coming up with. And, you know, it's it's tough to do that because music's been around forever and it's, almost every topic has been covered. But one of the songs we just recorded, that 90s country one I was telling you about, mm-hmm. it was literally a, a title I don't even remember writing in my phone. It was just, <laughs> I was super drunk and I wrote, wrote it down. And it was really obscure. The first couple of times I pitched it to people, they laughed me like out of their room. And it ended up being a song that I wrote with uh, Nick DeLeo one day when we'd been working for two hours on a song and neither one of us liked it. And finally I looked at him and I said, hey, man, this song sucks. Let's start over new. And he's like, OK, well, what idea do you have? And I was like, I want to bring you this idea again. You know, and then I, I brought him the idea. He's like, all right, dude, whatever. I mean, we're not writing anything anyway, so let's write it. And then. You know, it ended up being just a really funny rocking song that I'm I'm actually really, really proud of. Uh, and it's definitely going to turn some heads, but <laughs> it's it, I don't know. I feel like my songs are kind of like my life, just super spontaneous and kind of unexplainable. There's kind of, you know, they don't happen that often, I guess, compared to these people who write 200 songs a year. But when they do, uh, I guess you just never really know what you're going to get. So, uh.
1: yeah. So. You you just um, got in there and recorded that one. So when can we expect that?
2: My original plan I was gonna release a song every six weeks for the entire year, which I have the songs to do something like that. But I'm just I just keep getting so discouraged by I'm so bad I'm so bad sometimes about marketing. I guess I should just come out and say I'm really bad at at the whole marketing thing. Like I don't mind spending a bunch of money on the recording process of the song. I don't mind spending a bunch of money on a music video, but when it comes to, you know, spending a bunch of money on Facebook ads or posting about my song 30 days in a row on social media, telling people that it's out, those are like things that I don't, enjoy doing and like Mm -hmm. that's kind of where my weakness lies is you know I, I don't I don't enjoy the promotional side of stuff like I just I just wish people could hear it and I wouldn't have to you know annoy people and tell them hey every day hey go listen to this go listen to that so I'm currently thinking about the best way that I can put music out and it you know do do a little bit better uh numbers wise that's kind of what I'm going through right now but what I will say is the recording has not stopped or the writing has not stopped. I'm just trying to regroup and figure out the best strategy going forward.
1: For the folks that are listening, um, you know, when I got this whole idea to do the podcast, I thankfully have a lot of, a lot of really good talented friends here in town. So typically it works as if I just kind of reach out to them and most of them being my friends, I kind of know their story, but of course do a little bit of research and, that um, brings me to, to a very good question I have for you, because <laughs> creeping on all your stuff, I found your Twitter.
2: <laughs> Ooh, I hardly ever post on Twitter.
1: Oh, it's good. Yeah, well, you, you did in 2017.
2: So. Oh, man. Oh, this is going to pain <laughs> me. I hate looking at stuff, even from a year ago. I feel like I change so drastically every year, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> Back on March 6, 2017, you posted, when I start doing music full-time, first thing I'm doing is growing a mullet.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
1: When are we starting to do music full-time? Because you definitely oh. don't have a mullet going on.
2: No. So so I'm, I'm one of these people who I really hate trends. Yeah. And <laughs> now that the, mullet, the mullet, I wanted a mullet before it became a trend. Mm-hmm but the fire department would never allow it. So that's why I never did a mullet. But now that now that the mullet is like fashionable and cool, I don't even want a mullet anymore. So yeah. I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess one day, I guess one day if everybody on TikTok decides to grow out sideburns and that's the new cool thing, I'll probably get rid of these too. I've had <laughs> 10 years And they've never been cool. That's like my, always my one defining thing is like, oh yeah, you're the guy with the sideburns. Okay. You know? Uh, so yeah, I don't think mullet is in my future anymore. Uh, as of right now.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Bouncing back to all your music you got out right now, what is probably your favorite song that either you have written or that you you have chose to release?
2: That's out right now?
1: Yes. Yep.
2: Okay. I would say favorite song I've ever written is Kindergarten Rodeo Clown. I wrote that with Joe Costa. Uh, it's about my my friend from high school or friend who friend from my childhood mm-hmm. uh, he passed away uh, just when we would just gotten out of high school the reason that's my favorite song is because for so many years i was trying to figure out a way to write a song for him about him and i never could do it you know it took me it took me the better part of you know five years to finally get that song completed with uh, with joe costa and i, I owe him everything for that song because I pitched that idea to a couple people and you know nobody really ever understood it or nobody took it seriously whatever and he, he immediately did. That's my favorite song I've ever written. Um, favorite song that I have out I would have to say it is either uh, Alone in the Lone Star which I also wrote with Joe Costa. I, it's just one of those songs where I hear, I hear the recording of it and I'm just like man I cannot believe we wrote that. It just seems like it just seems almost too good for, for me or something. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> and then feeling the fire burn out is definitely too good for me because I did not write that song. Erin Enderlin, who is like one of the best writers in town. Everybody knows it. She wrote uh, Monday morning church for Alan Jackson, which is Rolling Stones. It's in their top 100 uh, saddest songs of all time. So, you know, oh, yeah. she stamped in history with that, but you know, she pitched, she pitched me that song, feeling the fire burn out. And I just, you know, I was very, very lucky that she's she was willing to give me that song. So as far as recordings go, uh, it would have to be Feeling the Fire out or Alone in the Lone Star.
1: You know, that last song that you were mentioning, actually a pretty big song for you because you got to do the music video and everything. And that ended up on CMT, right?
2: It did. Really? It did. And... I don't know if I should say it or not, but Erin also helped me out with that. I mean, she she had the CMT connection, and uh, I have her to thank for that as well. You know, she's just been a been a very, very great friend to me, a great mentor, and uh, I'm just glad that she, you know, obviously sees something in me. So I'm just glad that I'm just thankful for her friendship and that she's she's willing to help me out like that.
1: Nashville, I mean, is literally filled with so many people that thankfully put you know friendships and connections and things like that first, and there, people here are just so willing to to help you with like literally however they can. So yeah. very, very cool. Well, I know that you got to jump off here. You got a show um, this evening. So glad that shows are making a comeback. Before we wrap it up, one final question. In your mind, if you could tour with anybody, like let's say you and two other artists, you being the headliner, okay? So you being the headliner and two people opening up for you, what's that look like? Who are you bringing? All right.
2: This is, um, this is going to be a kind of a, an obscure answer because I'm actually working on it right now, but they're two, two of my friends who are absolutely amazing artists. And I feel like no, I wouldn't say nobody knows about them. They don't, they're not, they're not well known really yet, but mm. I, I have a hundred percent faith that they will be soon. Matt Jordan and Alec Davis. They're freaking awesome. Um, they're both from Missouri. We're, we're working right now on touring together so that's uh, that's right now that, that just seems like a like kind of a dream come true for me uh, two, two guys that I really look up to not only as artists but as people. I really really love their music and I really see them going I really see them going places so uh, I really just hope we can make this tour happen. Uh, which you know, it's always easier said than done. But right now, that's that's uh, that's kind of a dream that's that's right in front of me. That uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to reach out and grab. So everybody, look up Matt Jordan and Alec Davis.
1: And uh, while you're doing that, you can look up Hunter Thomas Mounts. Um I love I love your little slogan. How how you always like start out shows, and you're like it's like Bounce with the mmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Because people, a either pronounce it wrong. They're like, "Mounty, uh, Mount, ma- Mouse, m- Moons," and I'm like, "All right, guys, I got a way for you to get this quickly. It's like bounce with a m mm on it. All right, and then that's what I say, and then I start playing the show. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I I try to think it's funny and memorable, but the main thing is I just want people to make the connection. So yeah. It's Hunter Thomas mounts like bounce with a m mm on it, and I got a bunch of songs out and a bunch of music videos out. So anybody listening, if you guys want to, you guys want to check any of that stuff out, and uh, you want to book me for your uh, birthday party, bar mitzvah, or wedding, whatever, <laughs> pool party, I'll do I'll do anything for uh, for the right amount of money. So
1: well, There you go, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here first. <laughs> Folks want to stay connected with you or reach out there to book you. Where can they find you?
2: The Best thing to do would be probably Instagram. If you got an Instagram, message me on Instagram or you can email me at hunter.mounts, M-O-U-N-C-E. At gmail.com.
1: Perfect. All right, man. Well, Hunter, it has been a pleasure catching up with you. Hopefully, um, get to see you here soon. But thank you so much for hopping on here. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, Lindsay, I appreciate you. And uh, I know that the uh, Back Porch Sipping podcast is uh, going to be a great success.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
2: I'll talk to you real soon. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to Back Porch Sipping with Lindsay. Subscribe now to stay up to date and hear new episodes first. Be sure to like and follow us at Back Porch Sippin' P.O.D.